Welcome to part two of our Cornerstone Christmas special. I'm so glad you've joined us. I know it's a little strange uh, having church on a Monday and on top of that being outside and enjoying uh, the, the, <laughs> the, the cold weather that we have, um, but I'm thankful that we can get together. Um, you know, I, I think about uh, everything that we're doing this Christmas and I know it's different, but I'm so thankful that we have a church that's willing to to do things a little differently sometimes, to, to reach out to our community, to serve, to help those in need. And, and speaking of that, uh, our Cornerstone Christmas offering is a great way you can get involved and help. So this year, um, as I've mentioned, we're, we're supporting three different needs in, uh, around the world, really. One is Nicaragua. We wanna provide support for Because We Care Ministries to help with food and clothing and and, and uh, hurricane relief in Nicaragua. And we've done a lot of mission trips there over the years, uh, really for 13, 14 years now we've been going. I, I've been a number of times, we have a number of friends and partners in Nicaragua that we wanna support. So we're excited about that. Second, we wanna help the Hope House here in Galax. We wanna do something to, uh, to help them. It's a, our local homeless shelter. And then finally, we wanna provide car seats for our foster care families. So. Uh, with those uh, three things, you can you can help us and make a difference right here uh, at Christmas time. And so you can give a number of ways. You can go um, on and click the give button that you'll see on uh, the church online platform here that we're using that live.mycornerstone.org. Uh, if you are watching on Facebook or on YouTube, uh, you're welcome to stay right there and share those with your friends, but you can jump over to live.mycornerstone.org and join in the chat with the other people that are watching today. Uh, if you need prayer, you can click that. If you wanna join in and give, there's a button right there to click to give. You can give on our website at mycornerstone.org. You can even give uh, by writing out a check and mailing it to us at P.O. Box 757 in Galax, Virginia, and our zip code is 24333. So just wanna share about that. I love our Christmas offering. It's a way that we can really make a difference right here in our community and, and really touch a lot of lives around the world. Uh, finally, uh, I'll mention our Christmas Eve communion. Again, uh, we'll be providing you the supplies you need to do this at home with your family. So uh, we'll be sharing a, a, some more detail about that. Today, we get to continue worship. I, I love the fact that we were able to gather in a barn. Uh, it, it really, uh, just to, to think about how God got messy, right, for us. He came in a messy place because we're messy people, that we needed help, we needed rescue. So as we worship today, uh, I, I want you to think about this. If you're watching with your, your, your family, here's a question you can ask as we get started today. In what ways are the people in your family good helpers? How do they help others? Uh, take a minute and talk about that as we prepare to worship today. I'm so excited about today and let's get started.
So welcome to part two of our Cornerstone Christmas special. I'm so glad you've joined us. And uh, if you, uh, again, are watching on Facebook or YouTube, be sure you can check out our live.mycornerstone.org. Uh, we're going to be using that more as we move forward to, to do our online services, just so we're not so dependent upon Facebook or YouTube. Uh, but we're going to continue to post there as well, just so we can get the word out in as many ways as possible. Um, in fact, I would love it if you take a minute today and just leave a comment and let us know where you're watching from. Um, it's always encouraging to us to see uh, that people are listening, not just in Galax, but really all over the country and all over the world. I looked last week, uh, uh, we can actually see the location, like some of the different cities and places. And there are people from all over the country that just tuned in uh, last week to watch. So that's so exciting that we uh, are getting the message out about Jesus. Uh, today, uh, we want you just to join in community uh, be part of our Cornerstone family. Wherever you are, you are part of our family. If you're watching with us today, uh, one of the ways you can stay connected is by joining our Connect at Cornerstone Facebook group. Uh, that's a place that during the week you can post and you can share and you can join in uh, commenting and, and really just uh, ask questions and find out more about the inner workings of what God is doing at Cornerstone. Uh, last week, we looked at the names from Isaiah 9, 6 that, that we have in prophecy the, that, you know, a son, you know, a child is born, a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Uh, last week, we looked at the first of those names, the wonderful, last week, yesterday. See, this is kind of strange. I'm not used to it myself that we're doing church every day this week. So, this is exciting though. Well, yesterday, not last week, yesterday, we talked about the fact that uh, he is our wonderful counselor, that he cares about our problems. He wants to, us to bring our problems to him. Uh, today, we'll take up the second name, the mighty God, and reflect on this fact that the child that was born, that Jesus, 2,000 years ago, is mighty God. 100% God, 100% man. Uh, I love that. This, that's a pretty bold name for a baby. Uh, can you imagine opening up a birth announcement from some, from some friends and saying, it's not Mike, it's not Kevin, it's not James. It, it's, this is mighty God. Uh, that, that's, pretty, that's a pretty bold statement. I think that would get your attention. Although in today's time with the, the names that a lot of people are naming their kids, it wouldn't surprise me. But it's still, uh, this, that would get people's attention to say, this baby is Emmanuel, God with us. He's a wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. You're like, whoa, that's a pretty big claim. Uh, so really, what, what does that mean? Uh, you know, I, I think I, I want to look at that today. And, and as we look at this Isaiah 9, uh, I, I kind of want to keep going a little bit. I want us to look at this birth announcement. Um, we could look to Matthew or Luke uh, to see the birth announcement of Jesus, uh, but I want to take us back to Isaiah. Uh, and this is that verse I, I, I just read, but I want to keep going a little bit. For us, to, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. I love that. Um, 
you know, he's going to establish a, a government. He's going to establish a rule and a reign that will last forever. And we just get a glimpse of it today. Yesterday, we talked about how Jesus is that wonderful counselor that can handle any problem that we face. But what does it mean that he is our mighty God? Often in the Old Testament, what we find is that people are given names that will describe what they are called to do. Uh, so God will rename or give people a name that describe not just who they are, but what their calling is. Uh, Hezekiah's name meant the Lord is my strength. Isaiah's name meant the Lord has brought salvation. The name says something about who God is and about what God will do through them. And so it is here. This child's name is not just a name. It's kind of a job description. Uh, think about it that way. This child will be revealing mighty God to all of Israel, to all of humanity. And, and so what we see is that Jesus is the one who reveals God to us. Jesus reveals God to us. Jesus, he, he reveals the, to the world that this mighty God has come. He's come in the form of this little, lowly, humble baby. Do you remember uh, what Jesus said to Philip when he was, started his ministry? He said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. One thing that we cannot deny in Scripture, Jesus claimed to be God. Uh, some people will say, well, Jesus really wasn't. He was just a good guy. He was just a really smart teacher. He just had a lot of wisdom. No, Jesus admitted, he claimed, he acknowledged that he was God. And so that leaves us with this challenge, right? I, I love how, uh, I, I love how um, in, in, in literature we reread um, from C.S. Lewis how he says we only really have three choices about who Jesus is. We, he's either the Lord, he is God in the flesh, the one who he claimed to be, or he is a liar, that he just was not telling the truth, or he's a lunatic, that he actually believed himself that he was God when he wasn't. Now, I don't know about you, but the only logical choice out of those three is that he really is the Lord. He is the one who he claimed to be. And so what we see in Jesus, uh, we see that he revealed the Father in a very unique way. Um, we see the mighty power of God at work in Jesus. We realize that as he came as, as a baby, we read in Philippians 2 uh, last week, we talked about that, uh, how he, he came, he humbled himself, he emptied himself, he, lift, he left the privileges of heaven behind when he came to earth. That, that's God in the flesh. Uh, this astounding miracle of Christmas, if you think about it, I, I would say this is the biggest miracle in all of, of, of the Bible. It's not the parting of the Red Sea. It's not the calming of the wind and the waves. It's not feeding the, 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 the hungry. It's not turning the loaves of bread into, you know, and fish into food for thousands. All those things, they do show that He is mighty God. But the biggest miracle that we see is that Jesus is God. I mean, just think about it, that God left heaven and came to earth. That is miraculous in and of itself. That's the biggest miracle we see in all of Scripture, that the God who created the universe actually came here to be one of us. The, the, the child that, that was born that we celebrate at, at Christmas, he is the, the, the God who, who came in flesh to be one of us. 
And when you realize that, the wonder of all of it, the beauty of all of this, the more you think about it, the more baffling it is, is how much God cares. Uh, uh, you think about that, you know, Jesus was the one that could fully identify with us. Everything that we've been through, we talked about that yesterday in Hebrews, right? Yet he was tempted in every way by sin, and yet he conquered it. He, he, he was perfect over it, and and he was the one that we can identify with. And the beauty of the Bible, the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And yet he came 2,000 years ago to be one of us. I saw this and it just stood out to me. It says, the child who we celebrate at Christmas is the mighty God who has come to us. Jesus identified with us in every way yet without sin. And he has saved us through the finished work in the cross and the resurrection. Uh, think about that for a minute. Jesus, he is the mighty God who conquered sin and the grave. He's the mighty God. That's his job description. He came, right, to conquer sin and death. That's what we can celebrate here at Christmas. Uh, the Hebrew word for mighty, when we really like dig into this, the mighty God, what does the, that word mean? The word for mighty, it means champion. It means hero. Uh, the one who is left standing at the end of a conflict, right? A champion is the one who stands when all the others have fallen and failed. He's the hero who gains the respect of all the people. Uh, this is a beautiful picture of Jesus. He's the champion. He's the one that is left standing. Uh, when we look in Scripture, in, in Luke chapter 2, we have this picture of Jesus growing up. And it's kind of interesting because we don't have a lot of information about Jesus as he grows uh, and as he matures. But in verse 39 of Luke chapter 2, um, it talks a little bit about his, uh, his childhood. Um, it says this, it says, in verse 39, it says, And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own uh, town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So that's kind of the first glimpse. They returned back to their hometown and Jesus grew. He, he was full of wisdom. Um, and sometimes you see these pictures of Jesus and I think people kind of mistakenly think Jesus was this you know, mischievous little kid that was pulling pranks. It's, Jesus was full of wisdom, even at a young age. And then we have the story when he was 12 years old and left behind in Jerusalem, verse 46, it says, After three days they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I, we've been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand what he spoke to them. Um, that's interesting too. At 12 years old, he was teaching the teachers. His parents couldn't understand him. Uh, we see, again, he was mighty even in a young age. We keep going. Verse 52, uh, one, uh, really a unique verse because it tells us, uh, it kind of, this. if you want to know about Jesus from the age of 12 to 30, this is the only verse we have in all of Scripture. It says, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. That one verse encapsulates two decades of Jesus' life. He increased in wisdom, increased in stature. He grew, right? 
in favor with God and man. He had the respect of the people. Why? Because he was mighty. He, he was the mighty God. He was the wonderful counselor, right? Um, yesterday I shared from Hebrews how Jesus was just like us, tempted in every way, and yet he did not sin. And, and so when Jesus was tempted in the desert, he stood, uh, you know, he stood strong on Scripture. When, when Satan came at him and tried to tempt him with fame and fortune and, and power, what did Jesus do? He just went back to Scripture and says, this is what God says. This is what the Word of God says. This is what, the Bible, this is what Scripture says. And because of that, that's where my trust is, not on the things of this world. And we see him conquer. Uh, we see him conquer Satan then. He's going to conquer Satan again when he comes back. But we see that over and over again. We also see how he conquered death. Uh, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when Paul is telling us the gospel story, the gospel story, this is how he describes it. He says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, uh, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. So when Paul is giving a, a brief, concise definition of the gospel, this is what it is. Jesus Christ, he came, he lived, he died, he rose again. That's it. I mean, just that's it. He came, he lived a perfect life, he, he died on our behalf. Uh, he was buried, and yet he didn't stay buried. He rose again back to life. That's the gospel. That shows, that demonstrates that he is the mighty God who has come to save his people from their sins. Uh, that also teaches us a very valuable lesson since Jesus is a mighty God that can save us. We don't have to be perfect. <laughs> Do you ever feel that way that you have to be perfect? Um, do you ever struggle with that? Some of you may have the opposite problem. You're like, I just don't care. I just do anything, right? But I, I think this is a struggle for many people. They think they have to be perfect. Do you, do you ever feel that God uh, is nowhere near and that he can't understand your pain? Over 2,000 years ago, when Jesus came into the world, not as royalty, not as a king, right? But as a baby in a stable full of muck and animals, he came, right? Uh, to show us that he does understand our pain. That he came to live the life that we failed to live. The reality is, as much as you and I want to be perfect, we can never be perfect. We, we've sinned. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's just the reality. As much as we try, as much as we want, there are going to be times in our life when we fail. Now, we've got to respond to that appropriately when we fail. We, we need to turn to God. We need to repent. We need to live in that continual pattern of repenting for our sins and turning back to God. But what we see uh, in Scripture is that God came to get messy because our lives are messy, because our lives are broken, because we needed salvation. Um, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, Paul says this. He's, uh, he, he's, he said to me, My grace is sufficient to, for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. What is Paul saying? He's saying, you know what? When people see that I'm weak, I want them to see Christ's strength through me. How does that happen? It happens when we turn our lives around and, and we trust and we walk with Jesus. They see what, how far we've come. 
they see that although we are weak, that Christ is strong. That although we fail, that Christ never fails. And, and so I'm so glad that, that we don't have to be perfect because Jesus is the only one who is perfect and, and, and will ever be perfect. And so when we stand before God one day at the end of our lives and and we start thinking about all the problems and all the mistakes and all the failures and all the, the things that we should have done and wish we would have done. If we know Jesus, when God looks at us, He doesn't see a failure. He doesn't see our mistakes. He doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see all of our addictions or our problems. What He sees is the perfection of His Son. That's the gospel. That there's nothing we could do to make God love us less. I don't know about that's crazy. That, that's, that, that's so unusual. And so the first step to seeing Jesus as the mighty God is to realize that Jesus is God and you are not. What do I mean by that? So often, I mean, we, we get to choose who the king of our life is. And is it going to be our job? Is it going to be our kids? Is it going to be our work? Is it going to be our money, our possessions? Whatever it is that we make the king of our life, it's what we're going to spend our time and energy and it's what we're going to worship. It's what we're going to spend all of our time and attention on. Uh, and so what I want to challenge you to do a little bit is who is, on the, 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 who is the king of your heart? Who sits on the throne of your life? It needs to be Jesus. Why? Because He's the mighty God. He's the only one that can rightfully sit in that place in our life and be the king that we need. Uh, so I, I think about all of that, and, and I want you to know we ultimately become what we worship. If you always worship those things in your life, the power, the prestige, the fame, the money, your possessions, even your kids, even if those are the things that dominate everything in your life, you may end up, right, and gain the whole world, yet lose your soul. You, you may miss the most important thing in all of life, that God has come to be the ruler of your life. Today, as we wrap up, I, I just want to challenge you. Who is the ruler of your life? Do you know the mighty God? The God who has come to save you. The God that has come to conquer over death and to conquer over sin and to conquer over the grave. I mean, that's the God we worship. That's the God. That's the only, I mean, I don't want to put other things in the place of worship in my life. I want God, the only one that can truly satisfy every need that we have. And so I want to ask you, do you know him? I said earlier in this series, do you, do you just know about God or do you really know God? I think we really need to know Him in a personal way. We need to know that we can confess our sin, that we can turn our lives to Him, that He will hear us when we cry out to Him. Romans 10, 9 says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that means He's the master. That means He sits on the throne of your life. That means when He says you do something, you do it. That you listen, you obey, you follow. And when you fail, you pick yourself up, you confess it to Him, and you keep moving forward and you keep walking with Him. That's what it looks like to live life as a Christian. It's not easy. We've talked about that too. It's not an easy life. In fact, it's the hardest thing ever because you're going against the current of the world. You're doing something different when everyone else, right, um, is trying to follow the world. You're following Jesus. It means that sometimes you're an outcast. It means that sometimes you're not popular. It means that sometimes you're going to face persecution and, and trouble. 
but it's the life of a follower of Jesus. And so today, as we wrap up, I just want to ask you, if you want to commit your life to Christ, will you let us know? If you're on our, our website at live.mycornerstone.org, just click the button that I want to commit my life to Christ, and we'll follow up with you. Uh, we, we would love to get you some more information about what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, if you have any questions about what it means to follow Jesus, please let us know. It's the most important decision you will ever make in your life. And so as we wrap up today in worship, um, I just want to challenge you. Will you help us? Will you keep sharing what we're doing, these upcoming sermons and, and messages and worship time? Will you share those with others so that they can learn more about Jesus? Uh, the gospel message that He came he lived a perfect life. He died. He was buried, and yet he rose again. I'm so thankful for that, and I hope you are too. I, I want, at the end of this, I'll put some things up again for your family, for a family devotion. And I just want you to discuss today uh, how your life is a battle against sin and temptation. Uh, if you're a parent and you've got kids, let's talk about that. Let's talk about there's things that we struggle with and that we need help with and that we need God's help to, to, to overcome those temptations in life. Life can be a struggle, and I know God can help us get through that. Um, then discuss why it's necessary to acknowledge that we're weak uh, so that people can see God's strength through us. Instead of being, you know, acting like we've got everything together and that we're perfect, Let's, let's show the world that we, need, we can acknowledge that we're weak, that we need help. We need each other. We need community. We need God in us. Um, I'm so thankful for today, thankful for you guys, and let's worship together as we close out uh, our service today. Thanks for joining us. Oh, uh -huh.
Thank you.